1: We're broadcasting across the world in this our ninth year, and I've just arrived in Kerra, in Ecuador, and I'll tell you all about it next week when I've had a good chance to look around. I'm in Latin America for the wedding of a longtime great friend of mine who's in actually installing fiber throughout the country for their internet, so it um, should be an interesting few days. Now, there's a great interest in cryptocurrency in Latin America, so I thought I'd discuss which cryptos I think are the best investments. Now, this is kind of ironic in a time when crypto has fallen about, I don't know, 30% over the last three or four days. But over the past 12 months, there's been a huge increase in the number of companies that are now using blockchain, including all major global banks, all of the stock exchanges, all of the insurance companies, healthcare companies. And many governments around the world are now using blockchain for distribution of benefits. And when I started in crypto four years or so ago and I started talking to you about it, it was fledgling. Most people didn't understand it or believe in it. And there's still a lot of those now, but um, it's really taken hold. Of course, now Facebook has announced its new cryptocurrency, Libra, which is being backed by eBay, Visa, Stripe, PayPal, MasterCard, Spotify, Women's World Banking, Coinbase, Facebook, Iliad, Vodafone, Uber, Lyft, Anderson Howowitz, just for starters. So that, with a lineup like that, it suggests that it's probably here to stay. Now, this has given crypto a giant shot of credibility and now over 21 million people have at least a small slice of Bitcoin. It's got to be a great investment. There can only ever be a maximum of 21 21 million Bitcoin, ever. So 21 million people have now got a slice of Bitcoin and many people have got a lot. So a lot of people have just got a little bit. I know people that are paying off Bitcoin, buying a little bit more every week. It started off with a thousandth of a Bitcoin and then, you know, they slowly grow it up. As a consequence, Bitcoin hit $11,200 just a couple of days ago. And that's up from $5,000 just two months ago. So it's gone down a bit now, but it'll go back up. Now, people continually ask me whether, well, two things really. First thing is, is it too late to get into crypto? That's the first one. And secondly, what should they buy? Well, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with Bitcoin. You'll have some ups and downs, but overall, I'm sure it'll do well. There are forecasts out there saying that one Bitcoin could be worth $100,000. There are other people that say it could be $200,000 a Bitcoin. But um, it's, in my view, a good investment. However, what the hell do I know? So if you're interested in buying crypto, why don't you grab a pen, something to write on, and make some notes. Now, the cryptos that I'm looking at are, firstly, BAT, B-A-T, which is the basic attention token, because its price has been on a downward spiral for a couple of months, yet it has more downloads than the biggest browser on Android. Probably oversold, so the likely direction is up. Secondly, IOTA. When they launch Shimmer, probably towards the end of this year, I think it'll go. Holo, powered by Holochain, which is a new open source framework for peer-to-peer applications. I'm sure that'll go when they launch their main net, probably in the fall. Binance Coin, BNB, is a major exchange, Binance. So they're the coin with the most revenue of all in crypto. So I think um, those are all good. Ethereum, of course. I think Ethereum is a good a good investment coming into 2020. And uh, the last one that I think is great is La, La, which is U-U-L-A-L-A. And that's a um, a program that is catering to the two billion unbanked Latino market. So it's got massive opportunities. So I think they're the they're the coins to watch. But as I said, what do I know? So if I go, if you go broke, if you buy these and go broke, don't blame me. And if you happen to make millions and millions of dollars, my name's Bob Pritchard, my birthday's on June the 20th, you can send me, I will accept anything from Lamborghinis up. Do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We now have about 1.76 million subscribers daily, it takes about 30 seconds to read, well, probably a minute, and every day we tackle a different subject from the advances in medicine. We talk about new apps, new technology, subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, and, of course, cryptocurrency. Now, in tomorrow's newsletter, I talk about why bees are disappearing and why this is so important. Bees are absolutely essential for our food production system. So I give you a dozen mind-blowing facts about bees that you didn't know, and I discuss all these reasons in the newsletter. So the one thing you can trust for the latest up-to-date business information is my newsletter, and to receive it, simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, takes you two seconds to subscribe, and the good thing, you don't get stuck with this bloody thing forever if you don't want it. If you don't want it, you simply hit unsubscribe, and you're gone. You know how you get those bloody newsletters that you can't get rid of no matter what you do? Well, this one's easy. Hit unsubscribe and it's gone. So I um, I did a newsletter, funnily enough, a couple of days ago about um, uh, Amazon and their prime sales. And I got a, an email from Paul Stanley who said, um, are you under the pay of Amazon, you know, are, you, are they bribing you? <laughs> well, the answer is no. I just say it the way it is. And uh, anyway, he um, was sure that I was on the take. Now, the, one th- the first large-scale desal de-cell plant, desalinization plant, which is giant equipment that turns salty water into crystal clear water, was built in 1957, so that's 62 years ago. But progress in desal cell production failed to grow significantly over the next three decades. And that's despite the fact that clean water is very rare in a lot of countries around the world. But it hasn't advanced because to actually clean salt water is extremely expensive and it hasn't been good for the environment. Now, F- Food and Water Watch has long denounced ocean desalinisation as a solution to water shortages. In a 2009 report, the organisation found that ocean desalinisation created a myriad of environmental and social problems. But as the population grows and clean water becomes increasingly scarce, technology washes away desalinisation economic hurdles and the industry is becoming increasingly in favour. So as existing water supplies are being tapped out and groundwater is being depleted or in many cases polluted, then the problems are acute and there are choices to be made. Now there are some 20,000 facilities globally that are turning poor quality water into drinking And this is providing water for more than 300 million people every day, according to the International Desalinization Association. Countries like Saudi Arabia, Australia, and Israel have all become major players, and California's riding the wave for the United States. You know, when you think about Los Angeles, it's ridiculous. We've got a city with a greater Los Angeles population of over 20 million people, And it's a desert. We don't get any water. So how crazy is that? Who decided to build a city on a place with no water? Now, Saudi Arabia produces 20% of the world's desalinated water. And California's grown from zero to 11 desal plants over the last six decades, including the largest in North America, and it's got plans to build 10 more plants but while some places across the globe have made it economical, the U.S. is still struggling with expensive costs. So diesel is part of the answer, but obviously not the whole answer. Today's interview is with Tim Wales. Now, Tim's the CEO and co-founder of Kadama Ventures. He's a great guy, he's really inspiring, and he leverages his passion and experience, and he he works with other companies, with startups and and early stage companies to propel them to success. He's really great at designing and building custom enterprise business solutions. He aids early stage technology companies to get to the next level, and he revolutionises the way that they're funded. So Tim's a great interview, and. Keep that pen and paper handy because you might want to get in touch with him if you've got an early stage company and want to drive it further. This is Bob Pritchard and I'll be back with Tim in just a moment.
0: Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard
1: Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last eight years, gee, it doesn't seem like that long, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked about the services they provide, how they come up with the idea, the challenges that they faced. And I guess underneath it all, we try to work out what it is that makes them tick. Because only about 2% of businesses, particularly startup businesses in this day and age, are successful. So we try to find out what it is that those 2% do that works that the 98% don't do and fail. So, you know, everybody that's an entrepreneur faces the same issues, although we all think we're you know, there's something peculiar to our industry or our environment. But we all face exactly the same issues and challenges. It probably doesn't seem like that at the time. So by listening to segments like this and reading biographies of people who are successful and getting getting your hands on as much information as possible And of course, making sure that you have good mentors, you can overcome a lot of the problems that um, cause companies to fail. Now, Tim Wales is the CEO and co-founder of Kadima Ventures. He's an inspiring guy. He leverages his passion and experience to make others successful, which is very cool. And he's a... A visionary and an exciting entrepreneur. He's got a proven talent for technology ingenuity. He's uh, focused on helping emerging companies in a collaborative setting while also designing and building custom enterprise business solutions. Now, Tim understands the critical role a driven and accountable team dynamic plays in accomplishing and exceeding its goals. If you don't have A really driven team and if you're not accountable you won't be successful so whether it's aiding early-stage technology companies to get to the next level or revolutionizing the way they're funded Tim never stops thinking forward and he works really hard to expand his connections and challenges his already impressive achievements he's a real goer this guy Hi, Tim. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard right around the world. Thanks for having me, Bob. Excited about this interview. Um, Kadema, it's a rapidly growing company. I was looking at um, your history, and it's got four divisions, an R&D for technology, which I think is a fantastic idea. I've often had people bring me ideas that look great, but not quite finished or they, you know, there's a bit of a weakness in them. And uh, I could certainly use someone who looks at the R&D. You have a consulting division, marketing and services division, and you also have a foundation, which I think is the measure of a great company. So what's your overall mission, Tim? Where do you see yourself going? What are you trying to achieve?
2: Well, you you inspired what I wanted to, uh, how I wanted to answer that, Bob, when you when you said only two percent of early stage companies actually make it or even survive, and you know, one of the key components in our mission is how do we get that to four percent or five percent, and and we've studied it and we've we've jumped around the world, and and our goal is to solve very complex early stage idea problems. How do we solve the early stage funding problem? How do we solve the fact that entrepreneurs struggle with leadership, they struggle with what are they even selling, and then most importantly, you know capital and, and how do they fund their company and you know something we learned in this whole process that you know that two percent that succeed one really common feature they all had they knew how to sell something they knew what they were selling, and they could get out there and actually sell it instead of sitting around waiting to raise capital okay. so you know the mission is is pretty broad um, but Ultimately, our goal is to, to build a large R&D city, like a smart city that focuses on execution for early-stage ideas.
1: Okay, so somebody somebody walks into me and says, I've got this idea, and here's a rough, um, a rough design of it that I've knocked up in my garage. I take it to you, and you say, yeah, it looks like it might be a worthwhile idea. How does... What happens from there? How does the um, how, how do you charge? Um, what does the um, entrepreneur need to do?
2: Yeah, so you know if they get in, and and, and to get into our system, it's, it's it's strictly referral. You can't apply. You have to know somebody. Or, or Bob, for example, you might know somebody and you refer them over because you know, we believe in you. and We know you you support entrepreneurs and. The first thing we do is we assemble our brainstorming team, so like a think tank. And that think tank um, does a multitude of things. They first look at the idea. Uh, Analysts will go out and start searching the market to see who else is doing that now. Uh, all the way to the point of even the big guys. And then uh, at the culmination of that, we come out with almost like a due diligence report, not from a financial perspective, but from a feasibility perspective. Um, And you'd be surprised how many entrepreneurs bring an idea to us and they don't even know what their competition is. So it starts with that think tank. And and sometimes in that think tank process, we get to realign what their idea is or just even validate if it's even worth going. So, you know, sometimes it's pretty disappointing. You You have to be the bearer of bad news, not in a bad way, because perseverance and good leadership, you can go and competition is good. But sometimes they're not aware that you, know, you can't compete in a certain market. It's just not, you're not going to raise enough money. Um, so how do you realign or pivot, right? Yeah. So it starts with a think tank process and, and then we come up with a plan of execution.
1: So how does, what does it cost the entrepreneur?
2: Nothing. It's free. As crazy as that sounds, we're, we're kind of like Robin Hood. The more the big companies keep <laughs> getting involved with us, it, it is. I mean, we build for the big guys because you know what? You know what the big companies is? Here's a little secret for entrepreneurs. The big companies out there struggle with the entrepreneurial spirit. They're all trying to figure out how to make more money and new ideas. And they need entrepreneurs more than anybody out there. So we like to take those ideas sometimes. And part of that little brainstorming and think tank session is we go out to our corporate partners and we say, Hey, are you doing anything in this market? Uh, We don't give them the idea, but that tells us if we find that corporate partner that's doing, or we think they're doing something similar to that entrepreneur's idea. And we just give them a little bit of insight. Sometimes maybe that corporation might be funding that project, right? Or we might go to them and say, hey, here's an idea that we have through our think tank. You know, why don't you guys fund a big corporation? Then all of a sudden that entrepreneur is funded. So look at solving early stage funding completely differently than everybody else's is is, is really ultimately what it does. We get to build for the big guy and we take five to 25% of our net revenue and that's what covers that cost so we don't have to charge that entrepreneur.
1: That's, that is great. It's amazing how many entrepreneurs will say there's absolutely no competition to this um, product because they've looked it up on Google and can't find anything. And uh, they, <laughs> they forget that people like me, the first thing we say to somebody who's got a great idea is, until you're ready to go, do not put it up on the web. Do not go and advertise it or promote it because somebody will nick it. And so yep. they're looking for something that isn't out there. So, what's your own experience as an entrepreneur? How did you start?
2: Wow. So, uh, that's where I get goosebumps because we can go down a a journey here. Um, You know, I started... Early on in my career I, I went to massage therapy school. I under- saw a massage business when I got burnt out in business when I was living in New England. But the big one is my, my wife and I got together, she left American Express as a senior job because I was I was helping build a company as a consultant. And I realized they weren't they didn't own their own software. They're renting somebody's software and they're about to go public. So I made my first investment in that company. And uh long story short with them is we started building the product, and they weren't paying us. They ended up getting in trouble, um, all types of things. So we went into business for ourselves overnight with no experience whatsoever. And everything that possibly could go wrong went wrong. I got hit with my first patent troll within six months of, uh, of of the product. wasn't even making a dollar. I had three offers to buy the product before we ever made a dollar. I um, ultimately exited the company, but the gentleman that – purchased the company was from Texas and used their legal system to during due diligence to find out that there was a UCC one. And instead of paying us the money, he privately negotiated with the company and took the company all the way to the point that we even confronted them for soliciting my wife and I for sexual relations and, and showed up at our office and held me at gunpoint. So I've been through things that uh, my passion is cause I don't want entrepreneurs to go through that. If we could solve what I went through through experience, and, and sharing those experiences, I, I think it brings a lot of value. And, and leadership for me, um, I turned 42 years ago, and it dawned on me. Everybody kept saying, you're a great leader. And, and, and I, I appreciated that, but I didn't know how to say thank you. Right. But I have to stem my leadership skills from, I spent five years in the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't value the leadership traits and skills they gave me and how important they are in an entrepreneurial type setting.
1: So, the the Marine Corps would have given you discipline, and that's and that's what's lacking with a hell of a lot of entrepreneurs, isn't it? Just
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they- just discipline, and I work, you know, everybody knows I'll work just as hard as them, if not harder. Um, you know, like yesterday, we, we went out to the U.S. Food Bank, and we did, a team of 10 of us from the company went out, and we, we sorted 4,000 pounds of food in under two hours. Wow. And, you know... You know, I push harder than them, which ultimately they push harder, and we wiped all the food out that needed to be sorted in two hours just because of that drive. I, I believe
1: because of that drive. Right. So, if I come to you with a new idea, I also get a fantastic massage, right?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. My wife doesn't get it cause it's kind of like
1: the shoemaker, right? That's why I had to <laughs> leave the industry. <laughs> yeah. So… What, what sort of range of experience has your team got? I mean, if I come in with something really off the wall, um, do they have the experience to realize if there's a niche for it or not?
2: Yeah. So uh, believe it or not, we have about 100 to 190 uh development contractors around the world working for us any given time. And and, and that's part uh-huh. of our consulting arm. We have a consulting arm so we can scale up and scale down. What we do, if that entrepreneur, if we like your idea, how do we invest, right? We invest by paying resources. We have a top-notch team with people that have experience in your field um, actually execute with you and for you. Um, so you know, to answer your question in more depth, um, how do we, experiences we have go from artificial intelligence to product development to semiconductor. I mean, I, I can honestly say for the past four years, we've built relationships, corporate big relationships in almost any, ver- every vertical market. We're up to 17 vertical markets right now from agriculture wow. to artificial intelligence. We were doing blockchain
1: before people knew blockchain was even important. Right. So what? A couple of the problems that an entrepreneur faces, first of all, if you have a great product, um, getting the money to develop it is a problem. But the second problem is yep. taking it to someone like, let's say you've got a new messaging app, for example, um, trying to get it into an Apple or someone is impossible because one, they won't they won't look at them. And uh, so you guys remove that obstacle, right? Because you've already got the contacts there and you can walk the product in, if it's, you know, providing it meets all the criteria. You can walk, walk the product in, which is impossible for an entrepreneur.
2: You, you got it. And, you know, you take a messaging app. It's a great example. You know, in our brainstorming session, we would probably eliminate a messaging app because it's an oversaturated market. There's no money really to be made right now unless you're really doing something res- uh, revolutionary in messaging. I mean, look at Google. Google right now is shutting down Hangouts and others are shutting down their messaging apps, but there's still a fight for who controls it. So uh, to be really frank, there's more than likely a messaging app would never even make it into our product as an example, right. because once again, it's an oversaturated market. But, you know, for us, you know, we're trying to release how do you create a messaging app that is next uh, Uh, Next generation. And and it's funny because we have internal products and systems that we're going to release free to the world, like a messaging app, like uh, some other, like e-signature. I I hate to say this online. We've been working on e-signature for years because why are we paying a company over a dollar to sign our signature digitally. So we said, forget that. Let's use blockchain and advanced technology and let's provide it to the world for free. So we're gonna provide e-signature and that's gonna disrupt companies like DocuSign and HelloSign that are are honestly in my, I mean, yes, they're they're viable business models,
1: but their time is limited because the world is changing. Right. So what kinds of advanced technology solutions do you leverage to support your clients? I I would say, you know, the the hottest ones
2: right now is artificial intelligence and blockchain. Um, You know, finding real use cases for blockchain outside of cryptocurrency. Um, You know, every major player. It's very interesting to watch this happen where four years ago we were talking about the importance of blockchain and and investors and people would say, oh, you mean cryptocurrency. No, we mean the underlying, in essence, operating system or or ledger system that puts technology and gives technology accountability. We we're doing it over four years ago, nobody could grasp it. And now everybody from IBM to Microsoft to Google are all doing what they're filing patents and there's, they're doing this and that for blockchain. They're trying to take the lead. And, and that is one of the challenges they can get a, the patent was to help the little guy, right? But the big guys will swallow them up and, and there's certain patents that are out there that we actually have drawings for use cases. Prior to those guys, those big guys getting their patent. But once again, like you said earlier, you got to keep some things quiet until you're ready to hit the market because, you know, this world is all about shutting others down, right? So, so they don't lose market share, and they can swallow you up just on the legal side. They can eat you alive.
1: Yeah, and the, and the you're right. The number of um, different applications for blockchain is extraordinary. In the last few weeks, I've interviewed um, a company that's using blockchain to distribute. Aid in Africa, a, a, a company that is um, registering art so that um, it can't be, you know, you can tell whether it's a forgery, you can trace the um, provenance of it. I mean, it's just extraordinary how many applications there are for the blockchain. I got, I got into crypto very early so um, um, and I was doing really well 12 months ago. I'm still doing really. Yeah, well. everybody. Everybody was. I got. I got to admit, I'm still doing really, really, really well. But uh, nowhere near as well as I was 12 months ago. Um, yeah. So tell me about your um, Kedima Innovation Fair. You, you had one last year. So or this earlier this year. So what is it?
2: Yeah, so we we uh, we we knew it was important if we're going to change early stage funding. I mean, you've been to, you've you've probably talked to people that do pitch events and demo days. Yeah, I've um, done a lot of them, and so. that, that, yeah, you've done a lot of them yourself. They don't it, 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 investors, for example, really aren't interested in that model anymore. They are because that's you know that's the the status quo. But investors want to be entertained, and and most importantly, going up and doing a two minute or five minute pitch to an investor, anybody that's a real entrepreneur knows an investment doesn't happen until there's the actual interaction. You get to interact with that investor and they get to know who you are and what you are. So the innovation fair was designed in a, in a unique fashion to actually use like a digital token system where we assigned all of our guests. We we had about a hundred startups set up out on a trade show floor. We charged them nothing last year and all the different investors, We Basically, they got there and we issued them digital tokens, so like digital coins. And then we encouraged them to go out on the floor and engage with the entrepreneur, and those entrepreneurs were fighting for those coins. So we simulated how to use a digital currency in exchange for almost equity, just a simulation to get investors used to it. But what was most important is we were solving that. That, that problem that we saw that the Demo Day model isn't really working anymore. The investor needs to get in front of them. And it was great to see dialogue happening between an investor and an entrepreneur just because that entrepreneur knows they're fighting for those coins. And we gave the investor something that isn't their own money to give. Right, And then you, you broadcast that. So the Innovation Fair really has three target audiences. We call them elites, and those are your... People that have the ability to make a change in a company. So if it's financially, if it's a corporation, whatever it may be. So a corporation is another one, uh, and then entrepreneurs. So if a corporation sees that investor A is giving a bunch of tokens to entrepreneur A and that corporation happens to be present and we're broadcasting at the, at this event that that's happening, well, what's the likelihood of that corporation when we call them up and say, hey, did you see that company over there? How many investors were interested in them? Now we've just hedged their risk of possibly a corporate yep. partner slash yep. investor and an investor. So you know, it was really to, to change the way those type of events happened.
1: So do you also have, if, if I come to you with, a, with an idea, do you also have advice on uh, um, IP protection, for example? things like
0: that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so, hey,
2: I'll give you a little little info here. Incubation acceleration across the country, if you go into incubators, they're at 5% occupancy, according to the Kaufman report. Yeah. Pretty poor. And most of them have been kind of swooped up or, or universities have taken them over. And universities are the worst at commercialization. So answering your question on do we help you with IP? What we noticed in all those incubators and accelerators for two years, we just went out and visited them, talked to them, helped entrepreneurs for free. But the most important thing we learned is none of them could execute. So our whole model is a different type of model. And and it's amazing to hear that when other people tell us that, where if we take you in – Our whole focus is on execution, which the accelerators and incubators don't do. So we have legal expertise, and that might be something that we're paying for. We have developers. We have project managers. We have designers, all the way from even 3D, like professional 3D designers. We even have somebody that's coming on board that has done over 200 movies. He does all the artwork for for major, major movies like Disney, and they're tired of Hollywood. So if you take that a guy that can storyboard like that. Well, is he going to be able to tell that entrepreneur's story better through visuals than the entrepreneur can? Absolutely, I, I can tell you, he does. Yeah, so, I'm sure. so it's really, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's pretty amazing, but our real, real, real focus for that entrepreneur is execution. It's a long winded way to answer your question, but yeah, we're going to get them to think about how do you protect it? But then how do we give you the money now before you go put it out in the market and you're battling a big guy like Google, before you've protected your IP, because trust me, they can get they can they can process things way faster than you can.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I was um, I was talking to a um, a major player at Oracle a few years ago. Speaking on the same bill, and we were having lunch, and uh, he said, um, "If you think you've got an idea." And you're protected because you've been working on it for two years. Let me tell you, I've got 20,000 engineers around the world. We could start working on it today, have it um, reverse engineered by Friday and have it on the market worldwide by Monday through all of our distributors and you're screwed. And you know what else? They don't have to to raise money. (laughs) They already have the money. Yeah, exactly. And they have the distribution. They have everything. So you got it. it's amazing how many entrepreneurs say I've been working on this for two years and it you, I have got a real head start. Well guess what? You don't. No. <laughs> so no, you're yeah. How do you
0: determine
1: um who the entrepreneurs are that's at the um Kadema Innovation Fair? So it's interesting. We we um
2: what we did last year is we sent these silver coins out that on the rim of the coin had a uh, serial number. Right. We sent boxes them out to incubators in multiple states and, and accelerators and universities and said, hey, just invite your most innovative company. Um, that wasn't our focus. Our focus is get to the elite members there and have everybody else create the momentum. So as the, the event keeps progressing. Um, others are submitting their most innovative companies. So we only invited actually two companies ourselves out of the hundred, everybody else invited companies. Um, so same, same process this year. It's like you, Bob, you know, we, we want you to say, Hey, I I just interviewed this guy. He would be perfect for the innovation fair. And you know, we would invite him because you invited him and then we promote you because you invited him. And, and for us, the key is to get as most innovative, and disruptive companies as possible there. Um, so it's starting to get overwhelming. We, we're, we're getting a lot of people reaching out to us to be involved. So we have to say no to some now, you know, and, and this is just our second year doing this. And this year it's, it's much bigger. I mean, we've got people like USA Today, Gannett. I was just on the phone with Cox Media right before this, all trying to find their way in to our event. And we, we created mystery. That's it. We created curiosity, imagination, and that's all entrepreneurism is. So you, you, this year, still sticking
1: with a hundred entrepreneurs?
2: Uh, no, we're actually doing more this year uh, and more corporate partners. We're introducing uh, possibly a hackathon this year, a little e-sport event. Um, but uh, the target is uh, a thousand of those elite VIPs. Right. Uh, and then, you know, about 150 to 200 startups in early stage innovative companies. So we're... we're, we're Last year, we had 5,000 total in attendance, 600 VIPs, and this year, our target is 10,000 in attendance and 1,000 of those, those VIPs.
1: So, can people like me attend? If I said, wow, I'd like to go along and have a look at this, how, do, how does one get to attend
2: yeah, so we're going to be releasing a bunch on social and different media. Uh, the one difference this year we do have to do is we are charging. Um, now, if you get our 2019 uh, black coin, um, which we'll send you out on Bob, because we'd love to have you, uh, you'll be able to put that in like a promo code and you won't have to pay. But the, the number one feedback we received in our surveys after last year's event is charge. Because what we got was so beneficial. I, mean, we, we got, I, I go, I'll, I'll travel to New York, and this was an event that we made it hard to get to. And somebody will walk up to me and say, Hey, I noticed that Kadima logo. I was at your innovation fair. I was just on an interview the other day, and the person was at our innovation fair. I don't even know this person. So that to me is pretty amazing. So, so you can go to um, it's kadema.ventures forward slash events. And all the information is going to be there. Ticket, tickets don't go on sale till January, right. um, and we're going to be giving out promo codes for those misinnovative companies because we—I don't believe entrepreneurs should have to
1: pay. Yeah, they but, already uh, don't have the money. They, yeah, they've got enough problems already. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when is it? So April 4th and 5th of this
2: year. So it's a two-day event this year. We'll be, uh, we're dabbling. Last year, we had an amazing concert to wrap it up and celebrate entrepreneurism. Uh, this year, we're looking at doing two nights of concert. So, so the other feedback is instead of one day, right. move to multi-day. And uh, one night, we're going to celebrate... <laughs> Uh, entrepreneurism through an after party and let that's when the networking happens, right? That's where, you know, getting back to what I said earlier, letting those VIPs interact with people when they're when they're celebrating, having fun and, hap, you know, business happens even more. And then the second night, we're going to, we're, we're working on a unique gala approach to raise money for uh, STEM education right. and entrepreneurism. Um, so April 4th and 5th,
1: right here in Arizona. Arizona. Okay. April. Yep. Weather would be quite pleasant in April, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to come here
2: in April, and and you'd be surprised how many big speakers don't mind coming and waiving their fees just because it's a great time of year to be in Arizona.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this radio network is based in Phoenix, and it seems to me it's either way too bloody hot (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I talk to them and they say, Jesus, 110 today. And, you know, it, <laughs> so that sounds yeah. like a nice time of the year. So where, where do you hold it? On, on your campus or?
2: No, so, so we're, we're having a special unveiling this year about the campus, but we're going to be holding it down at the Phoenix Convention Center. We actually okay. took one of the full buildings over. Uh, there'll be classes. There'll be uh, pretty high-impact speakers from 17 different vertical markets, from automotive to agriculture to aerospace, talking about innovation to inspire those entrepreneurs on, on what those bigger companies and those bigger speakers are looking for and where they see innovation going. They.
1: The coin invite is interesting, but well, certainly really different. Why do you think that's a better way to go than just issuing like a regular invitation? Is it just well, you different? know,
2: la- yeah, we, we felt with what
1: we were doing in the structure of our event
2: the first year, it was going to catch on very quickly, but nobody knew who we are. because so we worked behind the scenes. You had to know us to get into us. So we created, you know, you, you take the FOMO approach, fear of missing out. Yeah. And, and, and it started to go viral. Now people ask us for coins. And, and it's actually, you know, when BizDev is out there talking to an elite member or a high-impact person, they pull out that coin. Um, challenge coins stem from actually the Roman Empire. That's where we believe. And, and, like, I'm a soldier in one unit and you're a soldier in another unit and I would have a coin that represented my unit and we would talk about it because we'd share that coin. But even in the military today, in in the Marine Corps, if I go and I evacuate an embassy in Albania, for example, which I did, we'll get a commemorative challenge coin. And then if I'm sitting in a bar, Bob, because you're down here and you're sitting next to me and I pull out my coin out of my pocket because I find out you're military also. If you don't have your challenge coin, well, you're buying drinks. But the most important thing that happens is it starts a dialogue and conversation. Sure. So think deeper into the coin. The coins create a dialogue. They create a conversation starter. Just like you're curious about it. Yep. Um, it, it it's not cheap, and people are sick of
1: evites. Yeah, true. They're tired yes. of them. Yeah. So, what what do you aim to get out of it at the end of the day? You you, you get introduced to a whole bunch of um, entrepreneurs that you didn't know existed, and you get introduced to a whole bunch of investors that you didn't know existed and you get in get introduced to a whole bunch of corporations that you know are interested in looking at new products or new inventions is that is that sort of summarize it
2: uh, for us actually there's really not a lot of value the value for us is giving awareness on what we're fixing you know we're trying to build a, a large we're going to be unveiling this at the event a large smart city that focuses on execution where there's labs, there's an advanced school, there's a research and development hotel, and people can come and create and we cultivate the resources that can actually, when you bring your idea in, uh, there's a system in place on how early stage funding happens. But look at us as, as our, our, our interest in, in why we produce this event is not for deal flow. We're not interested. We don't need to meet the investors. We already know them. We're not, we've never raised money. Just so you know, we brought our company from zero to multimillion dollar without a single investment from the outside, from hard work, the way entrepreneurs should do it. And that's what we want to educate. Um, so our interest is more for our future, future plans. And most importantly is, is Arizona as a whole, I reside here. And this is one of the most broken entrepreneurial markets in the entire country. Um, they, we, had, we have had zero venture capital in Arizona this year, zero. Yeah. And we're, we're, the, we're in the top five largest markets in the country. I want to solve that problem. I want to make a difference in the community, to be frank. It's too bloody hot. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is.
1: I'm sure you've heard that before. So yeah. if somebody wants to register to attend, they go to or, – or can they? Or they have uh, to be invited they, by somebody
2: so, right now you have to be invited, but as of January, it'll, there'll be a pre release. But if you go on the event website, just look up kadima.ventures, K A D I M A. ventures. Uh, and then you can put forward slash events in there and you'll see a little tab that says all the information is there about the event. Uh, and then you'll see a tab that's going to go live in a little while to get tickets. Uh, but I would also just follow us on Twitter, follow us on all the social platforms. We're not big social, but we're driving social. We're going to be giving gifts away. Um, you know, we, we sponsor things like the Fiesta Bowl, the Waste Management Open, some of the largest events out there. We're going to be giving people and doing different award programs for people to get involved um, with with us and, and win tickets. So there's going to be a lot of different ways. I would just you know try and follow us because that's where it's all being released.
1: I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. And uh, I'd love to be there this year, next year. And uh, since my radio network's down there, I could do the show, perhaps do the show from there. Uh, we'd love to help you set that up. We'd, we'd love it. Tim, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So to contact Tim and to find out more about Kadima Ventures, that's K-A-D-I-M-A, go to kadima, K-A-D-I-M-A, dot Ventures. It's a great website. You'll find out a lot. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. straight-talking, absolutely-no-bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network, and we're broadcasting today from Keta in Ecuador in South America. Now, when somebody says it's hard to make a million dollars, don't believe them. Millions of people make millions of dollars. You just have to have the right angle. Now, You can actually make a million dollars. Now, I find this extraordinary, but you can actually make a million dollars by becoming a slurping and sucking superstar. You can eat yourself to a million dollars. Now, that's pretty easy. All of us eat. But mukbang is a uniquely Korean trend of people getting paid to eat large meals in front of a webcam for a live streaming broadcast. You sit there, you gouge yourself on food, and people pay and sit there and watch you eat on a live stream. Got to be pretty easy. Mukbang's a word that combines the Korean word for eat, which is mukda, with the word for broadcast, which is bangsong. So mukbang first became popular among niche Korean video streamers about 10 years ago or so. And on the popular video broadcasting channel called Africa TV, 5% of the programming is mukbang oriented. Millions and millions of people sit there and watch other people eat. I don't know whether that's good. If you're on a diet and trying to lose weight, and you're sitting there watching people eat these great mounds of food, I wonder if that sort of satisfies your hunger, and you think, mm, "Okay, I won't eat," so that'll be good, or whether it makes you want to eat. I think it'd make me want to race up the street and get a Big Mac. Now, to the uninitiated, you know, people, people in the West. Modern mukbang seems really weird. I mean, sitting watching people eat, that's got to be weird, right? And people getting paid to eat, it's got to be weirder. But hang on, wait a minute. Didn't we just have the annual US hot dog championships? Yeah, we did. And Joey Chestnut, he's won, I don't know, the last umpteen years in a row. This guy's as skinny as a stick. And he won again this year. He ate 74 hot dogs, 74 hot dogs. I don't know how he stays skinny, he probably throws them up straight after he eats them. And uh, the Australian champion, I don't know whether you know what a meat pie is, anybody who's listening in the United States, but it's a thing about five inches across and about an inch and a half deep made out of pastry and filled with meat. It's a bit like an apple pie, except it's made out of meat. And the Australian champion can sit there in one sitting and eat 64 meat pies. God. So maybe watching people eat is not so weird. Now, the top mukbang and hot dog eating champions, listen to this, they can earn a minimum of $10,000 a month, and that doesn't include any sponsorships. In the US and Australia, they compete for prize money. You know, if you win the hot dog eating championship, you get a good prize. And uh, But the oddest part of the Korean payment structure is that it's not pay-per-view, ad-based, or salary-based. Actually, ordinary viewers voluntarily send money to their favorites in the form of star balloons, which is a type of proprietary virtual currency that can be bought and sold with regular fiat cash. So people watch these people on television and then voluntarily just send them money. That part I do find weird and if you aren't familiar with the phenomenon check out the all american mukbang which is a youtube video made by eric the electric who's a 23 year old from san diego san diego who has 88000 youtube fans <laughs> 88000 people fans of some guy who sits there and eats cheeseburger. He begins by biting into a cheeseburger from in and out and quipping to the camera. He says things like, fitness? Yeah, I'm fitting this burger in my mouth. So these 88,000 people aren't watching him for the humor. So over the next 45 minutes... He sits down and eats an impressive menu of tacos, chow mein, hash browns, salads, donuts, potato chips, Skippy peanut butter bites, and Ben and Jerry's peanut butter fudge core ice cream, all in 45 minutes. That sounds disgusting, but he's making 10 grand a month minimum. So that's pretty good. An Asian-American cultural critic and senior vice president of the global research firm The Futures Company says mukbang had its origins in the loneliness of unmarried or uncoupled Koreans, in addition to the inherently social aspect of eating in Korea. So people watch mukbang so they can pretend that they're dining with a friend. Hmm. <laughs> If you were dining with a friend that ate all that crap, you'd go, <laughs> you'd find somebody else to eat with, wouldn't you? Now, I think that's really weird. And a hugely important aspect of mukbang is the noise made while eating. You've got to make a noise. So you've got to slurp and chew and smack and swallow and fart and do all that. Oh Now, Westerners have been brought up to keep your mouth closed while chewing and no noises during meals from either end. But in... Mukbang, it's not the case. So a typical Mukbang episode will have people enumerating the array of food items neatly before them on the table, before eating the food at a leisurely pace. Sometimes it's huge quantities of a single item, like fried chicken is very popular. Others have a spread of seven or eight double-portion dishes, Bethany Gaskin really loves seafood. She loves seafood so much that she films herself sloppily devouring crab legs, lobster tails and mussels. Her most popular mukbang video, 36 minutes and 34 seconds of eating seafood, has 11.7 million views. And her videos have earned more than a million dollars. And consequently... Because she can sit there and guts into seafood, she quit a job. Not only that, very soon her husband, Nate, he quit his job at General Electric to become his wife's full-time manager. I don't know what a manager does when all she does is sit there and eat seafood, but and now she's got her kids appearing in the videos and they also suck the shell out of seafood. So they're obviously fairly well poised to take over the family business. Now, that is kind of weird, don't you think? Remember, if you're not living on the edge You're taking up too much space, so get out of the road and let somebody who wants to succeed get past you. Don't impede them. Don't put obstacles in their way. You know, it's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. That's why they're ordinary. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll always be as boring as batshit. You'll never know just how amazing and how exciting you can be. In the meanwhile, continue to have a great week and continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard coming to you on Voice America Business from Keta in South America.
0: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.